Welcome to Digging the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways of bringing these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and Space to Meditate and an MBSR teacher and trainer. Well, hello, John. How are you? Good to see you again. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. <laughs> now that the temperature is broken. Oh, yeah. Relief, and we even had some, had, had some decent rain. Yeah. Still not enough, but it's a start. Yeah, no, it was, it was hot for oh, quite a while, and now it's sort of cooled off a bit, which is yeah. very, very pleasant. Yeah. Um, yeah, so today I thought we would, I don't know, what do you think? Well, I thought we would talk about this idea of the different kinds of aims we would have for practice, because there are lots of different uh, ways people frame practice, the point of practice. Um, and traditionally, there's only one real aim of practice. And if you talk to a certain group of people, they will tell you that there is, in fact, only one aim of practice, which is enlightenment, which is to get the final goal. Um, but there are at least potentially in the texts, in many texts, other aims, uh, even we might call worldly aims uh, of practice, such as, you know, becoming a better person maybe <laughs> in, in your life, uh, uh, being more successful, uh, maybe even making more money. Um, and some of this has gotten used by people who are contemporary uh, teachers and practitioners in order to you know, make things like mindfulness effective for people. I mean, they say this is effective, you know, to make your life better. And one of the ways it might make your life better is you're you a more effective uh, worker and maybe you're better with your family and so on. I don't know. What is your, what is your take on all of this? It's a big topic. Um, it is. And, you know, I, I do teach mindfulness-based stress reduction, which even in its name, you know, has a certain goal to it. Um, John Kabat-Zinn, when he came up with that name, realized that if you called it mindfulness-based suffering reduction, it probably wouldn't have <laughs> sold as well. Um, yeah, probably not. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, certainly, I, I'll never forget, and this was not an, a mindfulness-based stress reduction class, it was just a weekly sit that New York Insight was offering somebody, so, you know, it's called Insight Meditation. Like, and, and so this person's thought that the point of the meditation was to have insights into dealing with the problems, you know, day-to-day -day problems. Now, it may help, of course, with that. And, you know, as we have insights into the true nature of reality, which is really what insight is referring to, is, you know, having a clear, seeing more clearly what's true and what's not true, that's obviously potentially going to help as well with more mundane things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, that's a kind of almost a side benefit, right? And these practices clearly have a, a benefit when it comes to, you know, physical issues, pain primarily, um, and being able to, to, uh, have a different relationship with, with difficult physical pain. And then, you know, you would see, I remember seeing, uh, ads the time headspace got a big infusion of capital the, the mindfulness app called headspace which is the most uh, did i just say big infusion of 
Capital, yeah. They got a big, I thought I said, I'm, I'm playing it back in my mind, I thought I said Apple. Um, so they got, they got a big infusion of capital and they started putting advertisements in the New York subway. And the, the, they were ads of like a dancer or a musician or a rock climber or something, you know, and, and it was like, these, this app helps me be a better whatever, you know. And I, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, clearly. It's like touching the tip of the iceberg of what, what's possible. And the danger is, and, and uh, you know, the danger is that it can also make you a better, the famous one is, you know, a better um, sharpshooter, you know. And, of course, there are traditions where that was part of the training of being a warrior, too. So it's like, well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of open territory there. It's like. Yeah, I mean, at the, I guess then we get into the issue of ethics, you know, how ethics fits with practice. Um, and I think we both believe that it has a very central role to play in practice, that that's sort of one of the basic parts of the Eightfold Path and, and of what the Buddha taught. And so, I mean, if that's, if, if what we're really wondering about is, okay, what is, what are some of the benefits of practice? Um, I would say that, okay, part of that has to include the idea that we're, we're behaving in, in ethical ways and moral ways. We're not doing bad things. Uh, and, you know, certainly one of the things that the Buddha did say is that people who act ethically can be expected to have successful lives. I mean, that was part of one of his, one of his, uh, sort of famous statements to lay people, basically, when, you know, he was talking about, okay, so one of the things that he would do when he was asked, you know, to give a talk to lay people was he would, he would exhort them on behaving, on, mm-hmm. on generosity, number one, and on ethical living. And one of the ways that he would try to support that was to say, well, you know, you can actually, you know, one of the benefits of becoming, of, 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 of acting ethically is that you can become successful. You can become successful in business. You can make money in a sense. I mean, that was what he said. You can become uh, wealthy uh, through ethical living. And I mean, although he didn't talk a whole lot about meditation to lay people, um, not, nevertheless, I think that's, it's all in the same continuum. Um, mm-hmm. So ad- admittedly, that, that doesn't mean that you would want within a Buddhist context to become a, an assassin, um, although, you know, probably certain kinds of meditative practices might help you, as we know, with sort of the, the, sort of the idea of the, the ninja and so on uh, out of medieval Japan. But, right. um, but even leaving that aside, I mean, it seems like there's at least some room in the, in the, in the actual history of Buddhism for people, for the Buddha to have said something similar, you know, which is, but not, not, I mean, as long as we're acting ethically, that we can have, we can use practice to, to make our lives better in a worldly sense, um, if we're not going to become monastics and go for the whole hog kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, it's also one of the first things he taught was generosity. Yep. You know, now, I mean, I've heard Sorry, one of the first things that is taught to lay people is generosity. Sure. And certainly that he taught. Um, But then I've heard people say, well, if you are generous to others, eventually that generosity will come back fourfold or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. now. But is that a reason to be generous? No. 
It's a reason. It's a reason. Maybe right. the best reason. <laughs> right. Thank you. And you know, it's it's um, uh, you know, it's it, yeah. I think for me, it's like do the practice and see what happens. You know, it's like we were talking about in terms of taking one of the prior podcasts about taking refuge. You know, and the Dhamma. You sort of see what happens. See what changes. You know. I think what's interesting, though, in, especially in secular mindfulness classes that I teach, is that people will come, of course, with a very specific, often people will come with a very specific goal in mind or a specific issue that's in their life that they're trying to work with in a different way. That you know, But it all comes down to suffering. Uh, to dukkha. It's like, you know, my life isn't what I know it can be, or my life, or my relationships keep falling apart, or, you know, I keep stressing out over money, or whatever it is. I mean, people are always coming in for something. And, I mean, personally, I never promise anything. I just say, whatever you're coming in for, maybe for the moment, let that go and see what happens. Um, and, experiment you know these are practices that we treat as we can treat as an experiment yeah i mean the, the ethical side of it is really key i think that's that's and, and you know the idea of the paramis the perfections of the heart and how that makes us better people and if we're you know better in that sense then the likelihood is that it will have an impact on our well-being and you know, in life, um, because people will want to work with us or people will want to be with us. Um, so uh, I think I think it really comes down, like so much else, to intention uh, and really knowing. You know, we do this exercise where we, you know, people people will sign up for a class with one intention, but if they really kind of let that question marinate, you know, what is your real intention? The answer usually changes by the end of the reflection. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say something similar. Yeah, which is that you know you come. You, from my point of view, there's nothing wrong with coming to practice wanting, you know, we're expecting more worldly ends. They they may come, they may not. Um, but I think if you're diligent in practice, you're going to eventually begin to see the issues with those worldly ends to an right. extent, anyway. Uh, over time, that's part of. That part of I think what practice does is just make you uh, more aware of the of the dangers in in wanting these kinds of you know fleeting things like you know fame or wealth or power or whatever it is, or expecting um, that if you have those fleeting things, they're going to actually uh, give you happiness, provide happiness. Right. Well, that's why exactly. That's way. why. Yeah. You, right. That's why you want yeah. them, and right. then you begin to realize that they're that they're not. Uh, Right. True refuges in the way that we discussed in a prior podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, there. I love, you know, the stories that you read about or even experience yourself where you, you know, you get a new car and then within the first week of the, having a new car, you're in a shopping lot, shop parking lot or the shopping center and somebody's, and your your cart runs into the car and scratches it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. suddenly you're suffering. You're all really upset about it and it's just a car. You know? Yep. Um, and yeah, so yeah, or you're stressing out about it for whatever reason because it's you don't want to 
you don't want it to get damaged. So you park as far away as you can from everybody else and you have to walk farther and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, like, you know, because I know I think you said you did a podcast, uh, a video on this topic. And what was the feedback that you got or what, what came out of there? What were the questions that prompted the video? Well, the, the question, I think, I mean, a number of questions prompted the video for me. Um, I mean, number one, I did a video a long time ago about a Buddhist sect that um, I, I actually attended one of their, uh, how do you say it, sort of meetups or whatever it was when I was in college, when I was, when I was at university. And I'm not going to say the name of the, the sect, um, so people will know what it is, uh, but uh, during that meetup, we had a practice after which every a bunch of the people who were longtime adherents to this particular Buddhist sect got up and talked about how uh, their practice had gotten them all kinds of worldly gains. Uh, you know, that, that doing this practice had gotten them a car, had gotten them a new chest of drawers that they had needed, had gotten them a job had gotten them a higher salary, this kind of thing. And uh, at the time, I was, I have to say, kind of taken aback by this. Um, I, I didn't find it very congenial. I didn't find it very Buddhist, frankly. Um, and uh, over the years, you know, I'd sort of gone on with that kind of uh, opinion. And, I, you know, I can't say that that, I can't say I've totally gotten away from that opinion at this point. But, you know, having more familiarity with the early texts, um, I've come to realize that the Buddha had a, a, you know, a lot to say to lay people. Mm. And that the way the Dharma is framed nowadays for the public, especially by monastics and by some non-monastic but uh, scholarly writers, you know, people at universities and so on, um, sort of views the 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 the, the Dharma in the, the, only through the lens of the final goal, which is Nirvana, which is enlightenment, and so sort of like if any if, if there's any discussion of a goal uh, that's short of that, they think of it as kind of anathema. And while I do think that it's true that a good teacher uh, will want you to keep your eyes up, you know, and not, not look down, you know, in other words, they'll they'll keep moving you forward, and I understand that. But uh, again, if you read the early texts, the Buddha did have a lot to say to lay people who he knew, uh, expected, are not going to become monastics, they're not going to become enlightened in this lifetime. Um, and so, you know, he was quite happy telling them to live a, a, an ethical life. You know, if you're not going to be a monastic, well, live an ethical life, you know, uh, become wealthy by ethical means, which he said was perfectly fine. And you know, there's an end to it. That's the practice. I mean, that was the practice that he told them to do. Uh, and so when nowadays people are, you know, Buddhists are saying, well, here's Buddhist practice that'll help you become more successful at this, that, or the other worldly thing. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, is that really so different from what the Buddha taught mm -hmm. lay people in his mm -hmm. own day? And it's really not so different. Um, uh, so there's a kind of a disconnect, I think, between the way some people view Buddhist practice as being very exclusive and kind of perfectionist and the way the Buddha himself seems to have taught people in his own day. And that was kind of what, what prompted me to do the video. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what I can imagine and to some extent have experienced is as we continue our practice, 
and do the investigation of, of the of the of the Dharma, you know, and we learn our habit patterns that are help helpful and our habit patterns that are not, and we take in the Brahma Viharas, the, the divine abodes of loving kindness and compassion. You know, as you bring that into your life, if you happen to be, you know, you know, within any sort of setting, business setting, corporate setting, or running your own business or customer service, whatever it is, you're going to bring that into that and it's going to make you more successful, you know? Uh, and, and so it's, it's the condition that you've set up, which will lead to that success. And the condition is, you know, really coming from those teachings. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot, I mean, a lot of what we read about in the, in, on the news and so on is, uh, people who behave unethically and become successful. And I understand that that's something that people don't like. Nobody likes that. I don't like that. Um, but I think th my gut tells me that, that they are in the minority, that people in general, people who have successful, quote-unquote, successful lives, um, are people who in general are, you know, act well towards one another. Now, maybe I'm being too... Pollyannish, but um, I don't think so. I mean, uh, people who are kind to one another get help from each other, um, and people who get help from each other tend to be more successful and have better lives and and, and be less stressed, frankly, and be happier. Um, For sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I think that was the point that the Buddha was trying to make: is that you know, if you're if you behave ethically, if you behave kindly with compassion that you can expect to have a successful, you know, you can't expect to become the wealthiest guy in the world. No, I'm not saying that, but I mean, you can expect to have a successful life, you know, a good, a good, happy life, you know, uh, in general, on average, you know, I mean, no, there's no promises, but. And presumably you'll have what you need, you know, and yeah. that in, in itself these days in particular, you know, just having what you need <laughs> to be yeah. comfortable is, is, could be considered success. If, I mean, so that's one kind of success, right? And then there's, yeah. Um, and and I was going to say also that meditation um, and this practice helps you to become more more happy with what you already have, um, right? So that that also is part of success is be, is be, is being aware that you know that we don't need more and more to be happy. I mean, that's part of wisdom, but that comes through the practice. And um, so, I mean, if by success what you mean is the guys with the mo most toys win, well, that's, no, that's not what we're after. But if by success you mean, you know, sort of a good, happy life where you're, you know, you have what you need and, and all the rest, then yeah, sure, practice can help with that. Yeah, and if your success comes not from greed, right, but, but really from generosity and compassion, keep being successful you know it's it's um keep practicing because you know that i think that's really what's important yeah and um and then you know the thing is if 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 uh the next day you lose it all you know which certainly can happen you know how will you be yeah you know then then the practice shows other value because you realize, oh, it was, it was all temporary anyway. Yeah, it's right? just stuff. Um, yeah. And, um, and so then that shifts your attitude the next time around. 
And uh, I mean, the next time you go for you know building another business or whatever, one of the things we talk about in, in teacher training is learning to fall. Right, learning to fall is really important. Um, and you know, because after you fall, you get up, and then what do you do? You put yourself <laughs> up and you fall again. But you know, it's like this is all part of the teaching. So it's a, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about you know our recent the recent house fire we had back in February. Um, you know, uh, that was uh, quite something. But I think it's clear to me as day that the fact that I had this long term Buddhist practice made a huge difference in how I viewed it and how my wife viewed it. The same thing, you know, that it was just stuff. You know, at the end of the day, and in a certain sense, it was actually almost a benefit to get rid of it. You know, it's sort of like, it's less stuff to worry about. Uh, so, so you'll be getting more. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be replacing some of it yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I mean, we we have insurance, you sure. know, we're, yeah, we're householders. We're, you know, we're not monastics, but right. on the other hand, yeah. uh, I mean, certainly when I've talked to friends and family about it, they were kind of, a lot of them have been kind of shocked about our attitude and we're saying, God, if that happened to me, I would have been, you know, and I was thinking, well, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, I don't, you know, if even, even if we couldn't replace, you know, 90% of it, you know, it was just stuff. As long as we have the things we need to live. Right. And, you know. Shelter and then, food. Shelter and food and, you know, and not, you know, little, little things that make you happy, but nothing, yeah. nothing huge. You yeah. Know? All good. I, th I think that comes through practice and, you know, through uh, whether it's mindfulness, MBSR kind of practice, uh, you know, reducing the stress in your life or, mm -hmm. uh, that helps you to see with more wisdom about the things that really matter to you, um, or whether it's something that's more long term. I mean, mindfulness being understood as a very short term practice, but I mean, you well, know, the, the, something that's more long term. Yeah, the practice is short term, the class is short term. Hopefully the practice is long term. Uh, yeah. That's what I mean. MBSR, yeah. MBSR. And um, sure, yeah. Okay. I mean, not everybody continues, but um, if they right. do, then then it definitely has an impact. Um, and if they don't, you know, there's momentary impact, and and then hopefully they come back to it, um, and it improves their lives. You know, and and sometimes it's just a matter of learning to be generous to yourself and recognizing that as soon as you take care of yourself, things change around you. And you can take care of others in a much more significant way. That's also a form of success, I suppose. And I mean, I think, you know, again, to our house fire, the fact that we had friends nearby who put us up for a few days, you know, one of our neighbors put us up for a couple of days, another neighbor put us up for three days while we were waiting for all this stuff to come through, you know, uh, that's where you realize the true, uh, you know, great things in life come through, you know, neighbors and friends. Yeah. And, yeah, Kalyana Mittas, you know, uh, practice friends and so on, uh, rather than so much about stuff. <laughs> and if you're wondering about stuff, go back and listen to George Carlin, <laughs> one of the great Dharma teachers. <laughs> Talk about stuff. Yeah, so he's wonderful. Yeah, indeed. And one of the stuff, one of the things that we that we do like is coffee. That's a that's a that's a that's a stuff that we like, and I'll be I'll be replacing our coffee. This is our this is our plug. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yes. Well, stuff. Coffee is important, and uh, if you'd like to buy us some coffee, go to digginthedrama.com, and you'll have that option. Yeah. To buy us some coffee, leave us some comments. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what practice has brought to you. Actually. Yeah. 
you know, and, uh, and whether you has it has it made a difference in that in that sense? Yeah, and whether you look at practice as something that's more within this you know ordinary life, or whether you look at practice as you know exclusively directed towards the final goal. Um, All right. Until next time, Doug. Good to talk with you, John. Enjoy the rest of your day, and hope everybody else has a good day. And we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider leaving a review on your local podcast directory. It would help us out a lot. You can check John out at johnaaron.net and Doug at Doug's Dharma on YouTube and his Patreon page linked in the notes. You've been listening to Dig in the Dharma with Doug Smith and John Aaron. Thank you.